Where are you from, Joseph? South Shields. Well, there were three of us in this marriage. I just want to say, Liam, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. I enjoy cooking bacon and stop working with flour. This is Your Welcome America, the podcast that explains what the bloody hell Brits are banging on about. In every episode, we translate British pop culture for America and American pop culture for Britain. You're, You're welcome. welcome. Hi, babes. Hi. Now, I want to get straight into this. I want to <laughs> tell you about a coffee I had this morning. Oh, please do. Now, you know I'm all about small businesses. Well, you're all about Java and you're all about small businesses. Well, this is it. I'm also all about tonic. Now, bear with me. Okay. So, my little local coffee shop, um, they've started doing like a drive-through thing where you order and you go and you, you pick it up in a drive-through, you know, all that kind of stuff. So... They um, have just started doing a drink called an Island Tonic. Let me, let me walk you through it. It's espresso, love that, mm-hmm. plus fever tree tonic water oh. with calamansi syrup. Calamansi, I had to Google as a fruit, topped with coconut milk. Okay. I'm not angry at that. That sounds nice. I think my main, my main where, what gets kind of, what I'm getting hung up on is a combination of tonic water and coconut milk. There was a there was a curdling. There was a hundred percent curdling. <laughs> yeah. That was my concern. Just a curdling there. I like all the ingredients separately, and that's just my concern about the curdling. But I like the sound of that. That does sound nice. The curdling was very much, you know, when you're like you go down to the beach and it's a slightly polluted day, and there's that kind of curdling in the waves as they break. <laughs> yes, that kind of foamy curdling. Yeah, as, as as someone who grew up at the seaside. I'm, yes, very aware of the foamy curdle of the polluted North Sea that I grew up near. Well, here's the thing. I, when we were in, uh, Jesse and I were in the UK a couple of years ago. No, last year in a trip. I can't remember. I started noticing everywhere is serving espresso and tonic. Now, I love those two things separately. Together, unclear, unsure. So I had this one today. It was fine. I won't be getting it again. (laughs) The reviews are in and not getting it again. (laughs) Not getting it again. It tasted like I, I seem to recall either in Quality Streets or Roses, there is like a um a gooey a gooey one that you bite into that's kind of like syrupy coffee in the middle. Yeah, definitely. Is yeah, right? is, it, is it the one in the, it was just like the blue wrapper? I think maybe, mm. maybe not a fave, <laughs> not a fave. So yeah, I just wanted to let you know how um, I'm supporting small businesses, but probably not anymore. <laughs> you're you're only going to be buying your coffee from like big business from now on, Starbucks. just just big business right okay how's your week been what's been going on um you know just the usual uh living my quarantine life uh just you know going slowly mad uh talking to the television um i was watching project runway a season from 2016 inexplicably um and just fully talking about the the looks on the runway as if i was one of the judges um and expecting people to respond. Um, I've also, for some reason, started, you know, on a kind of a Thursday to Friday night, I've now noticed a new pattern, which is I'll have a couple of wines and then I'll watch a film and then I will just kind of um, pick a pick a poor, uh, you know, target and I will just bombard them with my thoughts about the film that I'm watching. So on um, 
<laughs> I think I think it was on Thursday. I bombarded uh, Nina with my thoughts on the Disney movie, The Princess of the Frog. Um, <laughs> I decided that me and her, as um, you know, as mixed race people, needed to support that movie more than the other Disney films. Oh yeah. So I was kind of giving her like a live rundown of what I thought about The Princess of the Frog. Actually, a very very good Disney film. The songs in it are really good. Oh yeah, the songs are like really much better than a lot of you know Disney films that I prefer. Um, and yeah, it was, it was just, it was very fun. Did she text you back? Did she get back to you? Or were you just like texting into the void? Because I keep texting people in the UK, I'm texting fully into the void and then getting their responses in the morning. Case in point, uh, I sent to a WhatsApp group. I did a full, full blow by blow of sex in the city Two um, last night. That movie. Jesus. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you just have to get away with the girls or not. I, I had forgotten, I knew that it was bad and I knew that it was racist and I knew that there was problems in it, but watching it again and seeing it all unfold was shocking. I've actually never seen a worse yeah, movie than Sex and the City 2. I am it's, woman. It, <laughs> you know, come on, everyone knows the song, join in. What is this song? I am woman, hear me roar. What? <laughs> um, th- that movie just annoyed me because I genuinely think the first movie's pretty great yeah i mean the the entire driving force of the end section of the film is them having to make it to the airport in time so that they don't get bumped down from first class to economy (laughs) (laughs) and it involves it involves them dressing up in burkas and carrie revealing her leg to a taxi driver from a burka that were meant to find that funny i think so that they could fly first class (laughs) I also, I also like the nod to the last recession in that movie where um, Carrie's like, so I, I kept my apartment downtown, you know, with the real estate market being what it is. Yeah, thank you. Right. I definitely need to hear about the recession from Carrie Bradshaw. Absolutely. <laughs> well, talking of movies, we're doing a bit of a break from our usual show today, and we are actually going to be discussing a whole movie in its entirety. Because, I mean, let's be honest, you know, it's COVID times. So do what we want up is down down is up left is right we can like we can do whatever we want yeah. so you, i love you just you just texted me the other night being like i just want to just talk about this movie in the podcast <laughs> it's like okay let's just do that yeah i just i i felt from the the moment i started and within i mean we, we won't start just going yet but within the first i think maybe three minutes where you hear christina do one of these i'm gonna get back from the mic to do this hey i was like like i need to talk about this with ben so yeah i text you and the rest is history so we will be talking solely about the movie burlesque today this is the burlesque special i just just want you to know that when i did that i fully like went back from the mic like i was in a recording studio (laughs) did you put did you put a thing one finger to ear oh i don't need to do that I, i i know my range and my tone oh good 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 love that shall we do some feedback yes Okay, so we have a little bit of feedback. I'm just going to read a few things from Instagram. Uh, Disco Drive Through uh, says about our last episode, especially Ministry of Sound. Uh, this episode brought back many memory of Essex and London clubbing in the 2000s. It made me realize how much I still really enjoy Ministry of Sound. Not sure if that's welcome or not welcome. I think it's still welcome to like Ministry of Sound. Um, yeah. And our friend uh, Crystal uh, says, picturing Fraser wacker wackering around in his flat by himself really tickled me. 
<laughs> I have to say, I've had other feedback about other people saying that they really like the song Waka Waka since I revealed that that's what I danced around my flat to, my apartment, sorry. Do you, when you dance to it, do you do like some flappy arms, almost like a chicken move? Yes, it's a... It, like Waka Waka. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a chicken arm and then that kind of, you know, like the legs, the leg move you would do as a chorus dancer in Bugsy Malone, kind of like knee, knocking knees together and like crossing your hands over your knees. I do that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Got it, got it, got it. I mean, it's universal. That's an international <laughs> dance. You don't like that. That goes through like all language and yeah, everything. You know what I mean? The international chicken dance, not to be confused with the Emma Watson sexy chicken dance from the movie The Bling Ring, which is something everyone should look into. The the scene where Emma Watson dances to Two One Two by Azalea Banks uh, and does a dance like a kind of sexy chicken. I would advise everyone to look into that. <laughs> I've got one more a bit of feedback. Uh, podcast nemesis Michael. He's weighed in with uh, the US equivalent of Ministry of Sound. He thinks it's the uh, kind of DJ mega club culture of Las Vegas. So like EDM songs that last like 45 minutes and, you know, kind of the, the all the clubs and stuff. I think I think he makes a very valid point. That's true. That's true. I guess our it's just uh, we didn't think of that because our head doesn't go there with Vegas. You know what I mean? Our head go. You know, we go to like a, a Britney show or, you know, like trying to get tickets from Mariah or yeah. something. So yeah. although. Though to be fair, on your thirtieth, that kind of was our experience of Vegas, the mega club. World. True, there was that. Do you remember there was that one song that that like tiny? I think it's a tiny temper song. Do you remember? Do you remember what I'm talking about? And it was like the drop. <laughs> was it that one? <laughs> it was every every fucking club, every song in every club we went to. It was like, and there'd be like a build up, build up, build up, and then it was like. And everyone dancing with like glow sticks. We're like, how are they getting away with playing the same song over and over again? But when we were at the beach club, beach club, I'm using that term very, very loosely in the desert, but we're at that like day club and we're like, oh, I'm just going to go ask them to play Work Bitch by by Britney. And like, I think, was I the one who asked them to play it? I can't remember, but I think I, I said something like, look, it's my friend's birthday. Can you just play this one song? And they played 20 seconds of it, but like a heavy EDM. Yeah, it was, it was like, oh, it was actually like, you want a hot buddy? Do, 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 do. It's like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay i've also got some feedback on uh my instagram uh, kate in london says they love a gummy tablet in the u.s i think that's in reference to cvs it's very true like anything in gummy oh, form right. I, it took me a long time to get my head around the words gummy tablet i was like what oh yeah no, they do I, they love any any kind of vitamin or medication in a gummy form gummy mm. pill yeah gummy pill sorry we shouldn't say tablet yes, yeah pill. So, god yeah we don't really say tablet in the uk in the us no, do we really don't weird yeah there you go that's that's i mean that's the the podcast right there and one bit of feedback i will <laughs> say um okay we've also had um some uh loved love love getting an email mm. uh ruth in london says you are right this is addressed to you fraser fraser you're right and ben is wrong the one show is not welcome <laughs> um she may have had some experience of it and she said it was the worst well I, you know, I'm with her there. We stand together on that one. Yeah, just one more, one more bit of feedback from uh, Andrew on uh, on Instagram. Took me a long time to get his Instagram name. I think I've mis I've mispronounced it every single time he's written into us, but I now get it, Andrew. <laughs> uh, he um, he actually uh, sent in some suggestions for the uh, opening titles a little too late there, Andrew. Uh, but he also said. He never thanked us for the shout out. And he says he's um, educated a few more people uh, on the podcast and they've adopted the Louise greeting 
for all future meetups. Yes. Hi, girls. Hi, girls. Hi, Louise. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Louise. <laughs> oh, on that subject, my, my new favorite thing is, you know how we always used to cheers and say, uh, cheers, girls, it's going to be our year. I now like to say, cheers, girls, it's going to be our pandemic. <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking of Louise, we need to mention how strange it was that <laughs> Louise covered a Janet Jackson song in like quarantine, did like a little kind of cover of it. And Janet Jackson's like putting it all over her Instagram. I know that was real unlikely meeting. I mean, that again, that's a You're Welcome America episode, like a perfect example of those two worlds. Yeah, that's meeting. all the things that we we want to see. And I really like the picture of her with Janet Jackson. But Janet Jackson's wearing like a, she's dressed like she's going to a murder mystery party. She's got like a cloche, a cloche <laughs> hat on and like a string of pearls, like she's on the Orient Express. Oh, I, I, I think I remember that Janet era. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't the best of times for anyone. Okay, shall we get on with the show? Shall we go on a trip? To burlesque. <laughs> Please. And we are back. Okay, normally in the show we tackle an American topic and a UK topic, but you know what? It's it's a worldwide global pandemic at the moment. So that we're just gonna throw that out the window for this week. And I know a lot of you are all stuck at home looking for things to watch. There is something you could watch, and that is the movie Burlesque. Oh. Welcome. To the burlesque special. Fraser, I think we need to start with some basics. Can you just like get us up to speed with the real basics of this, this uh, cinematic extravaganza? Yes, I, as always, I'm going to read the first line from Wikipedia because it's very funny. Uh, burlesque is a 2010 American backstage musical film. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> written and directed by Stephen Anton. So, you know, so let's set the scene. It's 2010 when this film came out. Lovely time to be alive. We would not know what was coming 10 years down the line at this point. So this, this is a 2010 uh, backstage musical, apparently, uh, starring Christine Aguilera and Cher. The soundtrack itself is quite an important part of this movie. Um, it's uh, a song in it actually won a Golden Globe, best original song in 2011 at the Golden Globes, which was, You haven't mm -hmm. seen the last of me, penned by Diane Warren. We'll get to that. We sure um, will. And just, yeah, the film um, has grossed around $91 million worldwide and an additional $42 million in uh, DVD, like Blu-ray sales. Uh, so let's just talk quickly about the fact that this movie is written and directed by Stephen Anton. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is very important. And this, I think, really unlocks it for me. Stephen Anton, does that name ring a bell? Well, the surname does. That's because it's Robin Anton's brother, mm -hmm. Robin Anton founder and um scientist who created the pussy yes, and sometimes dance partner of yours and mine at dance class before the pandemic remember basically burlesque should just be called burlesque colon the pussycat dolls movie yes um one quick fact i'll tell you that just made me laugh uh, screen gems is the is the company that made it burlesque is screen gems most expensive film with the exception of resident evil <laughs> with costs of 55 million dollars uh i'm thinking most of that went on wigs Oh, oh, definitely not not high quality wigs but just just many so many wigs speaking of wigs i wrote a um just like a log line of burlesque i wrote that kind of before we get into you know scene by scene breakdown my log line is wait, wait, wait. My, log, yeah. my, my log line is this burlesque the story of an unlikable pushy iowa girl in a wig with no real character traits becoming the star of a burlesque nightclub question mark question mark that's my kind of log line if I had to describe this movie to someone. What do you think of that? Yeah, and just, I, but that's perfect. And just to add to that, you know, the you know she's very pushy, she's very wiggy, and um, ultimately the burlesque club uh, needs saving. And 
she saves it thanks to some very relatable uh, California zoning laws. <laughs> We're going to get into the air rights of it all, don't you worry. <laughs> so we, the movie opens, uh, and what I will say is, I'm not going to go on and on about this, but there is almost a scene-by-scene -scene ripoff of the movie Coyote Ugly. You can almost match every single scene in burlesque to a scene from Coyote Ugly, which I know is there's often films about the story of a small town girl, you know, making it big and getting famous. But I'm just saying this opens exactly the same uh, as Coyote Ugly with we meet our, you know, the titular star. We meet Ali, just a relatable Iowa girl wearing a wig that no one's talking about working at a diner. What did you think of that opening scene where she's there? Uh, working hard and steals money from her boss i i appreciate that the openings like someone an exec somewhere watched like the first cut of this movie and they're like we just need to get to the action quicker we need to get into it quicker we need to get to the club quicker because that opening scene is about 40 seconds long and then before you know it she's in you LA. Don't even see her you don't even see her house you you meet you meet one you meet the woman that she works with a very strange woman i'm not sure who she was and you meet her boss who i, I write this note she steals from her job a plot point that never comes back she literally steals money out of the till, out of the cash register at her job, and no, nothing ever comes of that. I know it's the money that she's owed by her boss who's not paying her, but still, very strange way to kind of open your movie for your main character. She's, you know, she's gutsy. That, you know what I mean? She's gutsy. She's got drive. She takes risks. That's true. And then we have a kind of a wonderful opening title montage, which is set to, she starts off singing in the diner to that Etta James song. Um, which again, I will, I'm just going to do it one more time. So just, you know, cover your ears. Everyone starts off with a full, a okay. full alley, as we're now going to call her a full alley moment of um, and then we see kind of, that's kind of intercut with her journeying, traveling to LA and we see flashes of inside the burlesque club. And how annoying is that line where she goes to buy her, her bus ticket and she's like, ticket to LA, please. And the, the person goes, oh, you know, one way I return. And she goes, are you kidding me? She doesn't care. Like the guy, the person like, with the tickets doesn't care about your dreams. They're just trying to do their job, Ali. <laughs> you know? I will say Give this opening scene in the diner, is, it, there's, there's a theme that runs throughout the whole film. And that, that theme is very strange lighting. Did you notice this throughout the whole movie? Oh, well, I mean, I've, I've definitely, I've definitely made a note, um, later about Cher's office lighting the club, which I, I would describe as dusk in Westworld. <laughs> I think, I think I made a note that said this entire movie is lit by lamps with scarves draped over the top of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, you know, we see plucky, plucky waitress Ally, whose age we could possibly never never make a guess on somewhere from 21 to 50 are uh, our plucky ingenue our ingenue <laughs> alley i also made this note um christine aguilera makes the least convincing person from iowa i've ever seen i don't know though that wig worked for you <laughs> no i just i just i mean talking of wigs i mean this is a real movie just constantly distracted by wigs much much like the help starring uh, emma stone <laughs> 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 that whole movie i was just i just yeah. kept on kept looking at her wig being like oh, her wig's just so wiggy one of the most present wigs you've ever known is, is emma stone's wig in the help no I, I i'm fine with her being from iowa because think about christina like back in the day when she first started out mm, she could have been from iowa i think iowa it just is such a it's 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 screenwriting what i want to make the main character be from iowa it's like well we 
Well, you'd have to be from a small town to just make it Iowa. Anyway, she arrives in LA and then we just cut almost instantly to her walking the streets of LA at night, which is very strange. Also, this film was filmed in LA, but for some reason to me, the whole thing looks like it was filmed on green screen or in Canada. Yeah, like some of the some of the locations are real. So the club is is the a theater yeah. in Hollywood that I've been to before. I don't know if the interior is. I don't know what the interior is. Like Stanley Tucci's apartment is real. It's actually on Rowena Avenue in Los Feliz. I looked that up. It's right. It's right near where I used to live in that weird house share. And then his the apartment she shares with that guy. That's not real. But yeah, I know what you mean. Also, for LA, there's just a lot of foot traffic, which I'm not buying. <laughs> yeah exactly so she's she's out in the throngs of people of la at night and she spots the uh she spots the bright lights of the burlesque club and it's just worth pointing out at this point that the club is literally called burlesque club <laughs> very on the nose yeah, um, i thought about that so she she steps into the burlesque club who is the first person that she meets ben <laughs> oh it's alan cumming playing um a diet coke version of, of a role from cabaret one thousand percent he's as much as christine is acting with her wig uh, alan cumming's acting is all with eyeliner in this movie completely and he's in he, like a- anytime he pops up in a scene i'm like oh i forgot alan cumming was in this movie and then he's then he's not in it for like 45 minutes and he appears again you're like oh alan cumming's in this movie yeah, he's like the Wes Wally, or American translation, Wes Waldo of, uh, of Burlesque, for sure. You're like, oh, yeah. there's Alan Cumming. I forgot about him. It seems, to me, it almost seems like having Alan Cumming and Stanley Tucci in the same film, they cancel each other out. C- completely. I mean, and Stanley Tucci obviously reprising his role from Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> I actually made a note. Does, ta- does Stanley Tucci only play gay men? I mean, just that, that one role over and over again. He's so good at it, you know? I, I do feel like in a world where we're outraged by, you know, every by gay actors not having enough roles and stuff, I'm I'm not I'm not annoyed with Stanley Tucci playing gay men. I think he plays like an older gay man, like kind of realistically. So as she walks into the club, we get our first full apart from the Etta James number, we get our first full number, which is Cher singing Welcome to Burlesque. What do you think of this song? Well, I've seen Cher perform this song live. Oh shit! Where you went to the burlesque club? I went to the burlesque club. No, in uh, in Vegas a few years ago, went to her show, and it's it's funny because she's it said in recent years that she just didn't think this movie was very good, and she's right. But she clearly liked some of the songs from it because they had like a video montage version of "You Haven't Seen the Last of Me," and then it went into her singing "Welcome to Burlesque" in the full burlesque outfit. Wow. I, I yeah. love this song. This song is so good. Where she's like, show a little less. I love I love her singing in this. It's so good. Although I was I was thinking as I was watching it, I was trying to think about the we'll get into this fully when we get in when we talk about just burlesque the club. But for me, I was what I got stuck on is obviously it's a great moment because it we get, you know, Ali gets to be Ali gets to be introduced to like the club, the main star, and all the people, because it's like an introductory song. But I was like, she seemingly walked in halfway through the night. So I'm just thinking about, you know, Cher's character, Tess. Thinking about Tess putting the set list together. Why is she performing Welcome to Burlesque in the middle of the night, you know, halfway through a performance? She's like, oh, actually, I'll welcome people to the show. It should have been the opening number. You've gone too deep. You've gone too deep. This could be act two of the burlesque show. You know, like after act two, you know, or after act one, you had an interval. And at the beginning of act two, you need like a good solid number. Um, like you know something to really like rouse the spirit so you know maybe 
the show early on, there's not enough people in the audience at the burlesque club. And so she was waiting till there was more of a crowd, more of a buzz. Then she was going to welcome everyone. Or yeah. Or do you think maybe it's like one of those things where they do like two shows a night and maybe Ali stumbled in for like the second, the second seating of the evening. Cause we need to point out at this burlesque club, it's a seated, <laughs> a seated cabaret style show. Yes. Yes, this is, this is, I mean, yeah, there, there could have been multiple seatings. And you're right, they, you know, Tess needs the money. So she'd be wise to have multiple shows in one night. <laughs> so um, so the Welcome to Burlesque serves as the way to like introduce you to some of the dancers who are like the kind of supporting characters. Uh, I, I mean, it's hard. I wrote, I wrote tall woman with tall blonde woman with glasses. That seems to be her plot point that she needs to wear glasses and she loses a contact. Remember her? Oh, yeah, she does lose a contact. Yeah. There's Coco, which I'm going to call an uh, underwritten, uh, criminally underwritten black character. Then, then we have, um, yep. so then we have Georgia, played by Juliana Hoff in, in a, as, as a redhead. Did you recognize her? I didn't recognize her. I mean, she's, even at the best of times, she's a wonderfully forgettable person. So yeah, she did, she did a very serviceable job in a role that didn't really matter. Um, and then we get to the true star of Perlesque, the character of played by Kristen Bell. I would say this is a fucking star turn by Kristen Bell as the evil Nuku. I was trying to work out, is this pre or post Gossip Girl? Because either someone was like, oh, well, you know, she played the evil voice in Gossip Girl, she can play Nikki, or she played Nikki and then they were like, well, she can do the evil voice in Gossip Girl. <laughs> I think this was post Gossip Girl. So I think that, I, I, I like to think that it's because Kristen Bell was so desperate to get away from like, being the, the lovely kind of sunny person that she is, is that she, you know, the script passed over, passed through her hands and she was like, Nikki, who's this, this kind of alcoholic, but not actually alcoholic person who is redeemed in the last act. Wonderful. I'll play Nikki. My next like notes, I feel like we can, we can kind of open out a little more generally. I wrote the words, is this burlesque? Oh, this is like, this is like the, the, what's it called? The, the Met Gala last year where people <laughs> like, is this camp? You know, and that was a whole thing. When Christina's character, when Ali later in the, you know, she establishes herself as a performer, it kind of is burlesque because she ends up being naked and there's yes. fans and there's teasing. Yes, I, I wrote that down. I wrote, now they are finally doing burlesque. But up until that moment, it's, a, it's not burlesque. It is a strange seated nightclub where you go and watch uh, dancers lip sync to songs um, and there's like some cheekiness to it. Oh yes, you're right. Because even in the movie, they're lip syncing, like, and they that yeah, they're lip syncing, yeah, and they're openly lip syncing. They're saying that in character. Interesting. Yeah, there's, it's a it's a plot point. Um, I also wrote the note. I wrote the note. I would literally never go to this venue or watch this kind of show. <laughs> oh, uh, hang on. Are you telling me you wouldn't go and watch Christina perform S E X P R E S S? Seriously? <laughs> well, obviously, if I was seeing Christina perform Express, the song that doesn't make any sense, um, obviously, I would go and see that in front of the giant letters that spell out the word burlesque. And <laughs> why I, wasn't that song called burlesque? And I will, because they had Welcome to Burlesque. They couldn't, you know, you had to, they had to separate it. And uh, uh, you do know that podcast nemesis Michael and I saw Christina perform a couple of years ago and she performed this song. What? Yeah. That is so strange. Like once again, both, both Christina and Cher, I think they, they know it's a shit movie, but they kind of have a bit of love for it and they know that people kind of enjoy it. So they're like, oh, we'll just do it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have, I have a lot of questions about this club's um, 
like audio setup um, and the sound engineering of it all and the kind of musical setup of it all because um, you know what we what happens is uh, you know Ali she you know she sees the girls dancing and she's like I want to work here so she um, you know she's pushes her way backstage inexplicably to try and talk to uh, talk to Tess um, to try and get a job and she basically gets told she can't <laughs> she can't work there. She goes out, flirts with the bartender, and then just picks up a tray and starts working. She's she's a weirdo. She's gutsy. She, we know from that opening scene she's gutsy, and this is just you know following through with that character trait. Wait, we need to talk about the male. We need to talk about the male lead, whose name I've never been able to pronounce, and I never will. Cam Gijigadege. Cam Gigodde. Yeah. He came on. He came on a show that I worked on once, and I had to learn how to pronounce his name. Cam Gigonde. What was he? What was he promoting? I, I I honestly couldn't tell you. It was post. It was after he'd been in um, the first Twilight movie. So he was like, they were trying to push him out as this like new sexy hunk. I can't remember. He was in the first Twilight movie. What was he? Yeah, he's he's the villain in the first Twilight movie. Oh. He's the um, he's the evil vampire that's trying to kill uh, Kristen Stewart's character. He's he's such a fascinating creature because he's someone in the year twenty twenty would never be cast in a movie that that's released in theaters because he's too generically good looking and bland. There's nothing interesting about him. He could be in like, he could be in one of those Christmas movies that's released on Netflix or the Hallmark channel. But That's pretty much it. Who, who would you, who would play uh, his part? If, if the movie got released like now, who do you think what like sexy actor would play his, his part? Oh, I think, I think they might choose like a British guy, like an interesting Yet handsome, but more interesting than handsome British guy. Maybe, um, oh, I, I know Taylor Swift's boyfriend. I don't know who that is. Joe Joe Al- Alwyn, whatever his name is. Although he has um he has period face, so I'm not sure he would be able to be in a contemporary movie. What about someone like a Rami Malek? <laughs> It's very funny. The thought of Christina, I, I, in, in my head, she's still playing the same part in the modern day version of it. The thought of like Chris, modern day Christina trying to flirt with Rami Malek while he's wearing, you know, eyeliner and a cabaret bowler hat behind the bar. Uh, at this point, Ali has just started working at the Burlesque Club as a waitress. So there, I, I wrote down there's a, um, there's like a dentist song that she watches, which is like a dentist number where it's like, is that where Kristen Bell is like late for the performance? And then she pushes her way on at the end. And there's like this kind of sexy dentist number where um, she's singing about having like a toothache and then she like writhes around in a dentist chair. I wrote down, there was, there was a, <laughs> one moment, there's like, there's like a suggestive line that she does in it. And they do a cutaway of this guy in the crowd. And he laughs like he has heard the funniest fucking joke that has ever been made. <laughs> He's literally like, oh my God. And she's literally, I think the line is literally like, I got a toothache doctor or something like that. And this guy's like, <laughs> I'll believe it. She means sex. Oh, very all. There's some. There are some very present extras in this movie that do for those cutaways. Well, and if they're not, if they're not sitting. If they're not sitting in the club, overreacting, they're in those street scenes. Just you know, those bustling street scenes, walking around with purpose. Around. I will say that later on. I mean, I'll say it again when we get to it. But later on, during a a number that Christina does, a man does a full spit take because he's laughing so much at a joke that she makes in the burlesque number. Full, he spits his drink fully out of his mouth because it's so funny. Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, I think is this where Ali goes back to her apartment and it's been broken into. So she ends up going over to Cam Gigonde's apartment um, in the rain. How does she know where he lives? We don't know. Yeah, 
who knows? And also, again, some really good, like, really good prop rain going on as well. You know, like... Oh, absolutely. If, like, the tech team weren't working on the wigs, they're working on that rain. She does a very bad pratfall in his apartment, which made me laugh. You know, I love a romantic comedy where the lead is a, is a woman that can't stay standing up. Yeah. And again, another, another location that's got very intriguing lighting. Yeah, it's just, just dappled is how I would describe the lighting in his apartment. Very dappled. Um, so she, she basically forces herself into Cam Gigonde's apartment. She is kind of rude to him, even though she's forced her way over there. There's an incredibly uninteresting subplot opening up about uh, Cam Gigonde's real life, uh, his fiance, who is working as an actress in a play in New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Played, played by someone kind of, at the time, was kind of famous. That girl was in Glee. Oh, I don't, I have no clue. I have no clue that. And, and Glee, yeah, Diana Agron or however you say her name. She, she was in Glee and Glee was already out at the time. So like she, she had like the weirdest, most tiny role. She's in one scene and in about three different photographs. Yes, but you know, but you know, this movie, like when it was being pitched around to people, it was like, well, you know, Cher's involved. And we think this is going to be Christina's Oscar buzz performance. <laughs> can you imagine this is like like how Renee, Renee Zellweger got like nominated for like Judy imagine <laughs> Christina thinking she's gonna get nominated for this exactly I mean it's kind of like um A Star is Born they looked at all the all the problems with this movie and were like okay we're gonna avoid those we're gonna make it right and we're gonna win an Oscar and they did well they kept the same character name this is well I mean if it's right? not broke if it's not broke don't fix it throw out the wigs keep the character <laughs> name yeah, Cam Gigonde played by Bradley Cooper. <laughs> Although you would argue that Bradley Cooper's character is Cher, right? Trash. Ooh. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I wrote I wrote a note here because she basically tries to leave um Cam Gigonde. I'm just gonna use his full name for the whole for the whole recap. Good, because it's helping me. It's helping me learn his name and how to pronounce it. <laughs> so she goes to like storm out of Cam Gigonde's apartment in the rain and i wrote the note i'm really worried about her wig getting wet in the rain <laughs> no, they, don't worry they had backup wigs because remember they had 90 million budget like what was it 90 million budget or whatever it was so they had many many backup wigs well you notice when she comes back in they clearly had the her like everyday daytime wig they had her dry wig and then they had a pre this like a pre-moistened like tussled wig so she comes back in and her hair's in this like her wig is in this kind of because obviously it's like you can't pour like rainwater directly onto a wig because it'll just, it, it'd be so obvious that it was a wig so that you could tell they had to use like a plant sprayer to just spray this wig down. To make it. I just have an, I have an image of like a, a, someone in the, in the hair team, like with that wig on like a polystyrene wig head and then just going, exactly. Stephen Anton calling for the, the moistened wig. <laughs> Um, she uh you know the, the next i think it's the next scene that we see back at the burlesque club um is they're holding auditions for new dancers uh because um juliana hoff's character announces that she's pregnant oh that, remember that yeah 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 and share hugs her and rolls her eyes <laughs> yeah she that's a great scene where she's she's like She's like, don't tell me you have the flu. And then she's like, no, I'm pregnant. She's like, tell me you have the flu. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's like, like really, the, power, the star power of Cher is the only way that scenes like that manage to like be funny and like actually lift off of the page. So yes. Yeah, so they're holding auditions for new dancers. And then 
here is where we see one of the strangest scenes of the whole movie, which is where Ali, plucky, our plucky ingenue Ali, decides to audition unannounced for Cher and Stanley Tucci. I actually wrote the note. <laughs> I wrote the note. I want to do a drag number as Ali, trying to audition for Cher and Stanley Tucci. Oh, okay. I'll play. Would you, would you, I'll play Cher. <laughs> so I just love. I, I love her. Like. I love her flailing, her strange flailing like dance moves. She looks like uh, the Emma Watson sexy chicken actually in this scene. She does. She does. The thing with Christina is she's never been a dancer or a strong dancer. So when I was watching that scene, I was like, oh God. But then it is part of the character because to be fair, later on in the movie, she really gets going with the dancing. Yeah, she's she's actually pretty good as it goes on. But yeah, I love that scene. It also features the um well actually first of all I wrote the note, Cher's earrings look like Mayan door knockers. <laughs> do you do you remember that? They look like the door knocker on like a Mayan temple. I don't remember this, but I, I do have a feeling that Cher just brought some of her own stuff from home, you know? She's like, I'll just wear these boots and it and these earrings, I'll just do it. You know? Oh well she wasn't she wasn't costumed at all in this film she came in her wig she came like, like none of the wig budget went on share she did all of that herself 100 yeah. percent mm-hmm. um and then th- this is where, <laughs> where christina's like insisting that she should she should um audition and her and share like get kind of get into this like very strange like almost like a shouting match about her auditioning and she says that she can do any choreography and that's when share utters the most famous line of this whole movie in most gays hearts where she goes wagon wheel watusu so yeah, because what happens is they're like, okay, name name something, I'll do it. And she says, Wagon Wheel with two C. And then like, when we were watching the other night, Jesse and I, because Jesse loves that bit in the movie, he just says it all the time. Um, we Googled that and it's not a real dance. <laughs> so literally, so again, whoever, the genius Stephen Anton that penned and directed this movie, they were like, we need to come up with something. And he was just like, oh, I don't know. It'll be fun to hear Cher say, Wagon Wheel with two C. Exactly. Do you think that was... Exactly. I think that was improv by Cher, do you think? I mean, hope possibly. I mean, it was definitely, whether it was it was either improv by Cher or it was definitely written heavily with Cher's dulcet, whistly tones in mind, because it is just perfection coming out of her her lips. <laughs> then then we get a um I written Ray of Light dance rehearsal montage. Why doesn't this look like it was filmed in LA? Is my note. <laughs> Oh yeah, and it is Ray of Light as well. A song from 1997 in a, a movie from 2010. So weird. It's like, it's like, they're like, the, it's Christina, Ali's on the move. And it's like Ray of Light's playing and it's her like standing at like a traffic light ready to cross the road again on an incredibly heaving, busy street in LA, which never happens. And she's like doing, you know, wagon wheel more moves like as she waits to cross the street, which I really enjoyed. It made me laugh. Yeah, she's, she's, yeah, she's, that she's montaging all over the this is where we start to see uh ali starts performing in the club and <laughs> there is an amazing scene that happens where um all of the other dancers they all go out for pizza and they leave ali behind because they don't like the new girl yes and she's <laughs> and tess comes in and she's like uh <laughs> ali's unable to apply makeup with her brush because it is so old it's so old that she can't apply eyeliner with the brush now, I don't know much about makeup or makeup brushes, but how old does a makeup brush need to be that you actually physically cannot apply liquid eyeliner with it? Who knows? Who knows? But I tell you, who does know <laughs> Cher. 
is because Cher, luckily, she has one on her. She has her own brush on her that she lends. Now, I feel a bit uncomfortable about someone lending someone else. Maybe this is just very post-COVID world we're now in, but someone lending like an eyeliner brush to someone else. Do you know what I mean? I mean, mean it's, it's conjunctivitis waiting to happen, isn't it? It is. Conjunctivitis! <laughs> just some just some pink eye that's being passed on and we have earlier on there was another scene with you know Cher um in the mirror when Ali first meet, meets her and my favorite line in the movie which I've I've basically just changed and have morphed it into a different line but essentially it's who who who, who are you and why are you looking in my mirror which is just my, <laughs> one of my favorite lines in the movie. Um, but back to this scene. So yeah, so Cher, Cher, Cher basically invents the YouTube makeup tutorial. Uh, and then she utters, did you write down this line? Because I do, I do have it written down. It's one of the best lines ever to have been uttered in cinema. And really is the cornerstone of just makeup in general and the makeup industry. Do you want me to read it? You go for it. When you're putting on makeup, it's like you're an artist. But instead of painting your canvas, you're painting your face. <laughs> it's like it's like that it like it, oh my god that's like five drafts away from being a good line you know what i mean that's just words that's like quick we need we need something sort of you know philosophical and poetic from share oh okay here's the starter line go we'll, we'll, we'll redraft it later and then Stephen anton was too busy thinking about the wagon wheel to to and redraft the, the that line no, completely. Yeah. It's 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 like a, it's a placeholder line. It's like, oh well, why don't we? What we'll do is we'll punch up that line where we say, you know, makeup is like art. We'll we'll punch that up, and then they're like, oh fuck. They're like Cher's just saying it, and you know that someone was like, oh, I never punched it up. She's saying it. <laughs> and then I wrote the line: the audacity of Christina Aguilera discovering the power of makeup. <laughs> and also i like how she she's discovering the makeup from her and um, back to basics campaign you know her, her back to basics album which i don't mean to do this throughout this whole podcast recording but whenever i hear back to basics it makes me want to do this again cover yours everyone do your thing <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness do you think we should take a break yeah let's take a break great we'll see you after this and we're back discussing uh 2010 cinematic masterpiece burlesque this is the burlesque special okay i i, wait, I wanted to ask you before we get going with any more scenes do you remember the first time watching this movie? Yeah, I went to see it at the cinema um, in uh, back in London. I think for some reason I remember we went to the cinema in uh, Camden for some reason. And yeah, I remember going to watch it with, with the gals. And we were like, I, I remember coming out and we were like, oh, that wasn't fun bad. That was bad bad. It's only become yeah. fun bad to me in like rewatching it. I, I saw it. Um, I went to a press screening of it. I got free tickets and I went with podcast nemesis Michael. Oh. And... Um, I remember watching it. it was in London and it was like, I'm sure they had some like, you know, some branded like popcorn and tote bags you could get as well. But I do remember the cinema laughing a lot throughout like the romantic scenes. Yes. Actually, speaking of which, I remember just to go back to Sex of the City 2, I remember people laughing out loud during Sex of the City 2, especially the worst line of the entire movie. Do you remember this? But Carrie, when they're flying back from Abu Dhabi 
and the air stewardess goes to her, do you have anything to declare? And she just goes, I'm a mess. <laughs> oh. oh, just terrible. Oh. Okay, where are we at in burlesque? What number are we on? Um, I then I think I think at some point there must have been some of this subplot about Tess losing the club because I wrote the line I don't really understand why Sandy Cohen is in this movie and what his subplot is. So Sandy Wait, Cohen is Sandy Cohen. <laughs> Sandy Cohen is his character name from the OC. He was the dad in the OC. You know, you know, Cher's <gasps> ex-husband. Yes, 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 yes. Peter. Peter Gallagher. So he inexplicably plays Cher's ex-husband, who also is a co-owner of the club. And basically his whole role is him in glasses, trying to brandish pieces of legal paper at Cher's character, saying the club's going to be closed, just constantly. That's right. But you know what? They still have a good relationship. So well done to them. <laughs> they they actually, I will say they also had some like nice acting chemistry. I felt like actually kind of like, I kind of believed they were like exes that ran a business together. I don't know why. Maybe it's just Cher's acting power that made me believe that essentially any scene with an adult in it was a bit of a relief yeah <laughs> you're so right so this is uh where we reach a kind of pivotal moment in the movie uh nuku nuku um is uh late to the performance as she as she's wont to do We've, we found out subtly throughout the film so far that nuku loves to drink um they kind of they paint her as an actual alcoholic with a problem but I'm not trying to like apologize for her or you know speak to her alcoholism or anything be problematic but to me she doesn't seem like an alcoholic she seems like a bitch who has like a drink at work. Yeah, and bearing in mind she works at a burlesque club, you know? Yeah, it's strange and they if they showed her like being so drunk that she couldn't perform, but they just seem to constantly show her just like arriving late to work. That seems to be her greatest sin is that she can't ever be on time. Again and again, you know, they really upped that. They learned from that and upped that and a star is born. They're like, you know, Bradley Cooper, if you're going to be drunk, you're going to be drunk. And he was. <laughs> and then uh, basically, um, she, she, she goes on instead of Nuku in like doing like the main number in this uh, kind of, what is it? Like a 50s, like, it's like a 50s song. What, what song is it? I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember. Oh, but wait. And this is the one where... So yeah. she's on and she's performing and she's lip syncing because it's a lip syncing club. Don't ask. And then Kristen Bell says to like the tech guy, like, oh, hey, uh, you know, like Kristen Bell, like scuttles up to like the tech booth and, and tells the guy, oh, uh, go see Cher. Cher needs to see you. And then um, in a wonderful moment, like she just like unplugs something, doesn't she? And all the sound <laughs> goes, Zoom. the whole club goes down because of Kristen Bell. <laughs> Don't you mean Nuku? Nikki, yeah, Nikki does it. Nikki, Nikki pulls out that plug, and then Christina's on the stage and she's standing there. But you know what? She's gutsy, so she's going to use her voice literally. So she just starts singing. I'm not going to do it again, but she goes into one of her great um, opening. Maybe I'll just do it again. Fine. You know, we hear great like you know ADR recording of the crowd being like, "Oh, there's no sound. What's happened? What's happened?" And 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 share and share and saying like, you know, put down the curtain and like Stanley Tucci like like you know slowly putting down the curtain. And then what happens? <laughs> and then we just hear, and and then Cher says, "Pull up the curtain, <laughs> raise the curtain, Stanley, raise the curtain." <laughs> And then, uh, inexplicably, the band, the live band that uh, is at that club, 
which why is there a live band when they're lip syncing the live band just launches into the song that they were lip syncing to and then christina and the other girls just generally perform a, a full she does a full vocal number without a microphone to a live band so i this is where i had yeah. my questions about the tech setup of the burlesque club real tech issues with this people yeah. people seem to be able to project their voice you know throughout the whole the throngs of people sitting down um and there seems to be not even a wireless not, you know not even like a head mic attached so i'm not quite sure how she did that but i guess her voice is it powerful must be, her voice is powerful and it must be the acoustics which is probably why it's such like in terms of um uh, real estate it's so valuable that venue because the acoustics are so good well yeah it's not just the best view on the sunset strip is it not just the best view in the sunset strip also <laughs> great acoustics a line that gets uttered maybe five thousand times in this movie I, uh, this is uh, this point. Um, I told Teddy that I was watching this film, and he sent me the text. Oh, is that the movie where Christina invents live singing? <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> so you know, she's a, she's a hit. All the girls like her. There's this great scene where they're all sitting around, literally being like, "How do you do it?" And she's like, "I don't know. I just open my mouth and sing." And they're like, oh, "Do you want to come for pizza, Ali?" It's very strange. <laughs> and Kristen Bell's character says. I think it's at this point that she says she calls her a tacky girl from Iowa. <laughs> fair. A hundred percent fair. Kristen Bell's character is so arch in this film. She's never not in like her, her hair's never not set in like a 50s starlet, like soft wave. And she's never not in like a feather trimmed, like marabou trimmed kind of gap, like, um, robe calling someone like a bitch it's very fun and you know and you just know like the you know the, her whole character like when the character is being written essentially robin anton just wrote bitchy brunette and left it at that one one thousand percent and it's like you know i'll be honest like Kristen bell is a really good actress in the sense that she like made it she truly knew what she was doing and what she was doing was bad. And I thought she made it really fun so is this when we then go into like another montage where, where christina's performing Sex Express, Sex Express. No, this is where we go into my favorite song from the entire movie. But before that, we just have to go to one of my favorite lines of the movie is where Stanley Tucci's helping Ali get ready and he like holds her hair up. He holds the wig up and says like, oh, you know, what oh. if we what if we cut your hair short? And she goes, she goes, I'm not cutting my hair. Again, the word wig, just wig, 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 just in the air. And then Stanley Tucci, <laughs> Stanley Tucci has the audacity to say, who said anything about cutting your hair? You can wear a wig. I was like, how dare you mention the word wig <laughs> while Ali is sitting there with a wig on her head already? I just, I, my mind then went to like real like, is it possible to wear a wig on top of a wig? Yeah, like a wig reveal like Roxy Andrews in uh, Drag Race. Exactly. <laughs> just like wig, wig on wig. <laughs> so this is where she goes and performs my favorite song from the soundtrack called But I Am A Good Girl. The dress is Chanel, my shoes YSL, the bag is Dior, a jump provocateur. I know all the words to this song. I love it. This song is so wonderfully rough. It's so hokey cokey and big bandy. It literally has a moment that goes da 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 It's very that ta 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 ta. Yeah. she does what i actually think is kind of a fun routine to this is where they're all, all like dancing on the bar and then they all go behind these like reversible mirrors behind the bar and like oh, yes that is fun yeah again no one's wearing a mic she's not wearing a head mic so somehow the acoustics from the live band and her singing over on top of the bar 
<laughs> and also, I'm very worried about those revolving panels with all like the bottles on it as well. Do you know what I mean? That is just like a a glass smashing nightmare. Well, yeah, all it's going to take is someone to push it from the other side, and you lose that whole top row of like premium alcohol. It's going to get smashed. The Grey Goose, the Goose is going to be straight over. <laughs> the Goose is gone. I tell you what, the Goose is gone. <laughs> just imagine Cam Gigonde having been like, "Oh, I've got to order more Goose again." Ali just spun the mirror out. And it's going to come out of Cam's, you know, his wages. You know, you got to know that. <laughs> literally not at any point did i did i commit to memory his his character name not at all <laughs> no no it's just cam just cam what's his chops um wait so wait, when do we get to share's standout solo moment this is where we have like uh, this is where just you see like lots of fast shots of uh christine performing i wrote uh, yeah i wrote down more cutaways of people losing their shit during this pearl champagne number um, and then I wrote, although this is the closest thing to actual burlesque so far. And then, and then I said, also during this, I saw boxed seating. Like it's the fucking Lion King. <laughs> oh, nice. Premium. Yeah, they, they literally have like, they zoomed back at one point. I was like, this, this venue has boxed seating and it's underground. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. So we can kind of speed through. This is where like she, you know, Ali starts to become like a very popular, you know, her singing. She becomes like the focus of the club. Tess changes the whole show for her. Nuku is, you know, upset with her. There's a very strange moment where Alan Cumming does like a, a clown routine, which involves him just putting his face into the crotch of two female dancers. Do you remember that, that scene? That's right. Again, again, oh, Alan Cumming's in this movie. I forgot <laughs> about him because he hasn't been on screen for about 63 minutes. Yeah. And, and again, that's another scene where you see people losing their fucking shit, where like the joke is that he falls into a, a dancer's crotch and people are like, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. Ali's character starts like hanging around with Eric Dane and she's learning about, she's off at his birthday party learning about air rights, which is something actually very important to learn about at another point. Um, and, and she gets, and she gets those Louboutins as well. Very important plot point. She gets those yes. very glittery 2010 sparkly Louboutins. Have like angel wings on the side of them. And then basically she has this huge fight with Tess because Tess is kind of like, oh, I think this is all going to your head and you're like losing your way. And she like storms out and they have a fight. So then Tess is all like, oh dear. And she, um, she's going to walk out and the DJ who's inexplicably still at work at like 2am is like, Hey Tess, I got that new number you want to do. Do you want to rehearse it now? Then what happens? Like, oh, I've had a hard day. Oh, oh, let's just do it and get it over with. Oh wait, I just realized, is that my, <laughs> wait a minute. Is that my Caitlyn Jenner? <laughs> yeah, I think but it I, is. I think we're fine. I think that you, you're covered really. <laughs> both, both Malibu residents is fine. So then she, I mean, and this is genuinely a very good song because this won a Golden Globe, this song. And I remember Cher was really pissed off that it didn't get an Oscar nomination. And that's fair. In a world when like, you know, uh, Sam Smith's Spectre can yeah. win an Oscar. This song is fantastic. Written by Diane Warren. Exactly. I mean, you know, a real, a real Oscar contender. My favorite thing in this scene is the fact that she sits, and I feel like this is very much Cher decided to do this. She sits with a chair, but like with her le like back back to front. Yeah. So much like they used to sit like in the diner and home and away. And I was like, oh, they're so cool. Like you pull a chair, you turn it around, and you sit sort of legs akimbo. Well, on either it's, side um, it's michelle pfeiffer from that movie that uh gangster's paradise was this, on the soundtrack for remember da was it called oh, dangerous minds oh, dangerous minds yeah something that, like that yeah and it's like her being like a teacher in inner city school and she gets their respect by sitting on a chair backwards <laughs> exactly and Yo, Cher gets her respect in the scene by doing it <laughs> and there's also some really great um some really great boot acting in this scene as well like Cher's brought her boots from home and she's just you know she's just booting around yeah this whole thing felt like she turned up with the song the costume the lighting 
the concept. Stephen Antum was like, oh, and now we're going to do this. And she was like, oh, Stephen, I'm going to do my number. And then she just got up there and just did that whole thing. And they were like, great. Best part of the movie. I, I'm, there's some really great camera work as well, which is quite shaky throughout this as well. <laughs> yes. I, I, so I wrote down at this point, so let's just think about the, the club night itself. So I was like, so now people are going to this club to watch Cher sing an original ballad, Christina sing an original, like, kind of 50s ripoff song, and then Alan Cummings going to do some, like, clown acrobats. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like a burlesque cabaret type night thing. You know? I, get, I guess maybe I'm just not used to going to a show where so many original songs are being performed. <laughs> well, that's actually why they had the Ray of Light montage. <laughs> they had to, it's just kind of like, you know, you're like, it's, original songs are fine, like one in every few, but it's like, it's kind of exhausting hearing songs you've never heard before, isn't it? Because you don't know what to expect. That's true. Although I feel like Cher's song in this sounds like a song that you've maybe heard lots of times before because it's a Diane Warren song. So that's it just sounds true. like a really good song that you kind of know, but don't know. Did Diane Warren write I Turn to You, Christina's song? I feel like she did. I feel like I remember an interview where Christina said that, like, she's like, oh, and I, I sing it about my mom, even though Diane Warren wrote it, the lyrics are like, I think about my mom when I sing them. There's also gr- that great mic that she sings into in the video. Um, while we're on the subject of Christina, um, what, like, this is 2010. So this is the kind of, she's about to launch Bionic. Yeah. So. so it's a very strange year for her because it's like, this movie came out that they clearly thought was going to be a really big deal. And then she had that huge, big budget album with like a big budget music video. She clearly thought this is the year I'm going to just like destroy every element of the entertainment industry. Yeah. And she, (laughs) uh, more of a middling success, (laughs) much more like rather than the entire industry in the world, it was more like, Oh, loyal gays. (laughs) That's who's going to remember burlesque and bionic. Very, very loyal gay. Loyal gays are, are, are just going to stick with you. Wait a minute, I turn to you. Yeah, is a song written by Diane Warren. Wait a minute. First recorded by R&B Quartet, All for One, from the soundtrack album to the film Space Jam. Oh my god, what? So it was originally recorded in 1996, and then Christina obviously then got it later. Wow. Oh, there we go. I love I, I mean, it's such a good song. It really I mean, is. it can work in Space Jam, it can work for Christina, it could work at a wedding or a funeral. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're so right. It's like a first dance or a funeral song. It's kind of perfect. So uh, back to Burlesque. I feel like this is where I stopped making such copious notes because I seem to kind of like speed through scenes like i wrote down actually this is nikki this is where nikki like leaves the club she has that fight with um with uh, with chair in the parking lot and she says the best line ever which is i will not be upstaged by some slut with mutant lungs oh <laughs> what a bad what a bad line again first draft you know, oh we'll, we'll, we'll put like a cohesive insult in later but for now we'll just do this and again as you were saying earlier they're, they're in that parking lot and Kristen Bell sing the line. They're like, "Oh shit! Like, oh fuck! I never changed. Oh. They're like, we didn't change mutant lungs. Like, that was just a placeholder. That sounds mind. awful." <laughs> um, hey ho, that's it. Then I wrote down this whole wedding scene did not need to make the final edit. Oh, the wedding! That's right. Inexplicably, um, Julianne Juliana Hoff's character gets married in like a. I do like that she's pregnant and is wearing like a short like baby doll dress to get married in. I thought that was kind of funny. But that whole scene does nothing except to serve the purpose that Cam Giagonde is fighting. It, it breaks up with his fiance over the phone and gets really drunk at the wedding. And then sleeps with Christina. Yeah, that's true actually. And then also it is also, don't forget this, the driving force between my other favorite subplot, which is Stanley Tucci having sex with the DJ. <gasps> oh, that's right. <laughs> that DJ with that slightly odd smile. Yeah, that, the DJ, he looked like... um if like a feral cat 
got turned into a human being, like Cinderella sure. style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would definitely be like a live action Disney character. And then there's so there's the, then there's this terrible scene where Cam Gigonde, after they they're drunk and they get back from the wedding, I called it the naked cookie seduction scene. Oh, oh Remember my this? god, the scene. I mean, obviously welcome because his body he ends up being naked his body is unbelievable yeah but also what the hell it didn't it it was it was strange to have someone so attractive naked and for it to be so unsexy he basically he like there's this like running gag where she's asleep on the sofa and he keeps coming out of his bedroom in less and less clothes to get something from the kitchen and then he ends up getting a box of cookies and essentially making her like look at his dick while she reaches into a box of cookies in front of his dick and i was like Again, written by a gay man. I was like, for like a gay man, that feels like, because we're, we're disgusting. We're all disgusting, like, whores. I was like, yeah, of course, like a guy that hot, like holding something in front of his dick, you'd be like, Wah. but like, I don't know, something about seeing heterosexual people do it. I was like, this isn't actually, I was like, this is kind of quite like offensive. <laughs> what, were the, what were the cookies? Hmm. I don't, were they branded? I don't remember. Oh, weren't they like Auntie Anne's? And those cookies, those, they're the worst, like Auntie Anne's cookies, whatever they're called. Not even a Chips Ahoy. <laughs> oh, no, come on, Cam. Get the, get, get the good ones in, like a, a double stuff Oreo, not an Auntie Anne. I like those, um, is it Pepperidge Farm, those ones that come in like the little paper sack? Do you know what ones I mean? I no, I don't think I know kind of like, I think it's Pepperidge Farms. Maybe it's not Pepperidge Farms. It's one that they, they come in like, it's, it, they're trying to fool you into thinking like, oh, like an artisan, like bakery is just fresh. It's these. fresh. Yeah, they're like, oh, let's just pop these into this little paper sack. But they're like made by like Nestle or something. Anyway, I wrote down at this point, another ballad, another original ballad being performed at the club. Lucky audience. What's up? Oh, that's Christina. Oh, yeah, she does. Yeah. So she, a song I couldn't, I cannot sing i do not know a single lyric to but when i heard it, i was like oh this is like a standard very solid christina ballad what did i write next oh yeah so this is where we see uh, the girl from glee she comes back and finds them in bed together and she's like furious um so uh ali flees and goes to stanley tucci's apartment and i wrote stanley tucci is kind of sexy and then i put i'm actually kind of enjoying the, the dj subplot because uh, they make a joke where like you know it's like oh he doesn't know his name and they don't know which is name. it's like oh yeah gay sluts like but then I like the fact that he, Stanley Tucci's character, like takes a chance on love and is like, hey, let's go out for lunch. Totally. And has like a, and, and actually has a bit of a character, has like a plot going yeah. on. Yeah. Seems like, yeah, like actually a nice person. So I, and I think he, yeah, there was something about Stanley Tucci, like topless in bed where I was like, oh yeah, he's kind of attractive. He was attractive. Where do you think they went for lunch? Well, so he's in, so he's at, on Rowena Avenue. So I think maybe, um... What's that place near um, Silver Lake Reservoir? You know? Oh, Botanica. Yeah, I, I think, I think Botanica. Botanica. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I, I disagree. I think they're hungover. So I think they go to that old school diner. What, Millie's? No. Yeah, oh, the, it, Astro, the Astro one. Astro. Yeah, the Astro. I think they go there because they're hungover. They just want like a black coffee and like, you know, a waffle. <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> So this is basically where Christina's character uh, discovers that Eric Dane is uh, going to, is trying to buy the club um, from Tess so that he can demolish it. Build condos. This is actually where we get a great callback to earlier in um, the movie where he tells her about air rights. I was just wondering, do you know technically what air rights are? Because I've got the, uh, the definition of air rights here. I, okay, so I had to really like, really talk it through when I rewatched the movie on Friday. So I think it's basically... 
when you like say for example i've got my house that i could sell the air above my house <laughs> so for example if the if like the house behind me offered me money for the the air above my house it would mean that i wouldn't be able to build any higher is that right yes exactly it's like you buy you buy the the air above a property so that nothing can be built in front of it so you can retain your your view a view it's basically right. yeah it's air rights are property interest in the space above the earth's surface according to wikipedia generally speaking owning or renting land or a building includes the right to use and develop the space above the land without interference by others so this Don't is how ali like saves the day so that <laughs> they uh so her and tess go to a man across so, okay, the street. Let, okay no here's yeah. the thing because earlier on um they showed across from the club there are these there's like a, a high-rise condo building so high-rise apartment building okay that's all new and shiny and that's across from the club so they basically if if dane whatever his name is um dane sells powers. the club if dane powers hang on if um that guy sells buys the club and then demolishes it and builds a building the expensive condos across the street are going to lose their view and we all know it's the best view in the sunset strip so <laughs> Cher and christina go across the road to the condo building and they're like how much are these condos selling for and they're like upwards of a million um so they say well they're not going to be worth that if they doesn't have a view so they then sell the air rights to the club to the condo building so they get lots of money from that and that helps them financially and then it also means they don't have to sell the club to um dane bowers what an insane way to wrap up a movie much like i can't believe that sex in the city 2 was about not losing their first class seat this movie is yeah a california like rental like loophole law <laughs> is is yeah. what wins the movie and i think at one point eric dane says this line there are other clubs they could dance in and i'm like yeah he's got a point <laughs> why am i so on eric dane's side in this whole thing i don't know it's like it's like tess sell the club for like shitloads of money it is the best view in the sunset strip and then just go move further east to like east la where there's probably like a, a much better cheaper club and yeah and people in east la will actually go and see this rather than i don't know i just don't i don't know who's seeing who's going to burlesque to watch these shows but um Have have you ever been to the bar? Maybe we talked about it before on East LA, on Hollywood, I think it is, um, Harvard and Stone. Have you been there? Yes. Yes. I went there. Yeah. I went there with Teddy, um, actually once, but we never, we didn't but, see anyone. But you haven't see. Oh, okay. Cause it kind of has the flavor of a coyote ugly slash burlesque where like a certain time of night, like women just like descend from the, the ceiling, like and crawl down like different, like bars and ropes and pulleys and do like a big old sexy show yeah <laughs> it's very it's very straight but also very gay yes completely it's yeah it's it's almost exclusively like run and organized by gay people but only attended to by straight people or gay people that have been dragged exactly. by straight people <laughs> exactly um and then the movie kind of ends i wrote i've never cared less about two characters than ali and jack so i guess his name was jack <laughs> it's taken me until the end of this oh. to remember his name <laughs> Even you saying his name now, I have no, no like note of recognition. I'm like, no, okay. Doesn't resonate. And then I just, my final note is, oh, great. It ends on another original song. And then I put, they don't see the irony of people not doing burlesque in front of giant letters that spell out burlesque. What's the final song? Isn't it? The final song is Express. They don't sing that until, yeah, they oh, don't sing that until the very end. Because it's the song that he's been writing for the whole movie. <laughs> oh, that's right. And do, do you want to hear me sing yeah, that song? Yeah. Do you want to hear my impression of that song? 
Okay. <clears throat> it's a something and a something and a something. It's burlesque. You got passion and a nothing and a nothing. It's burlesque. It's burlesque. E. And then, of course, we've got to know, I mean, the movie is very influential, actually, because it inspired um, just this song that I'm just going to play for you. It's got the, it's got the, it's got the, it's basically, no, it's, it's, Exactly. So no, this song, so this is this song "Nasty" by Pixie Lot. It was it's a song that was rejected from the soundtrack because like, because she, Christina was meant to sing it with CeeLo Green. Yes, and then Pixie Lot came sniffing around through Christina's scraps, and she was like, "I could make this a hit." And in the video, doesn't she? Uh, isn't there a scene where she's just <laughs> naked holding a big handbag? Yes, holding like a Chanel handbag in front of her, in front of her breasts. <laughs> I still kind of like that song. It's it's so bad. It's funny. N a s t y, you nasty. Another song with a spelling somehow, right? I also, but but also, but also, I read on the Wikipedia that the reason it was rejected for the movie is because there are too many samples and rights that they couldn't get over. But then somehow, in twit, like four years later, Pixie Lot like sniffed around and managed to solve the riddle of all the rights. <laughs> And just release that so that the, song. The Very confusing. Rise. I love it. <laughs> so, I mean, that is that is burlesque. What would you? It's burlesque. Would you recommend this movie for a quarantine kind of viewing? I would recommend it for a situation much like I was in on Friday night, where Jesse and I we had a Zoom call with you and people, and we'd had some drinks, we had some pizza, and we're like, "Oh, it's Friday night. What can we watch? Oh, burlesque is on Netflix. Let's just do it." You know what I mean? Like a, a kind of a fun, trashy treat. Yeah, I, I agree. It's like um, it's like eating a pizza on a Friday night. You're like, you, it's, while you're doing it, you're having fun. And then afterwards, you're like, yeah, I, I didn't really need to do that. And it's not really affected me in a positive way. But I enjoyed it while I was watching it, you know? Okay, I've got two questions okay. for you. What do you think, number one, what do you think the UK equivalent of the burlesque club is? Oh, it's 100% like... Uh, like a terrible, like a Groupon, <laughs> it's like a Groupon night that would be put on at Café de Paris in London. Yes! <laughs> yes! I've just written Café de Paris. <laughs> it's like, basically like, I, I would, like back in, 10, in 2010, I would have been invited to like a, a, like a hen night, you know, bachelorette day, and it would be like afternoon tea followed by like, a burlesque at Cafe de Paris that like the, the maid of honor had like bought on Groupon that we all had to go to and it would be really bad and not but, fun and I would have a terrible time. There'd be like some feather boa making. Oh yeah, absolutely. It'd be like, yeah, make like a garter, garter making class and then um a burlesque night after afternoon tea. <laughs> Just for for US listeners, Cafe de Paris is like technically a very beautiful uh nightclub and sort of staged theater venue. And is it on Leicester Square? Uh, it's no, it's um, it's off of um, it, it's uh, off of Carnaby, like one street over from Carnaby Street. It's like, yeah, it's beside Leicester Square and Coventry Street. Oh, where have I been going? Okay, my second que- my second question for you is: What do you think the UK movie equivalent of burlesque is? I actually I tried to think of this, and I I really struggled because I hate musicals so much. Um, 
I don't have like a great like range of knowledge about other musicals. So I was trying to think of like a UK, like I, I don't, I can't think of like a, a UK version of A Star Is Born because all these movies like Curti, Ugly, Everything, they're all A Star Is Born over and over again. And I don't know if I've ever seen one about like a British person getting famous. But, well, they must have been. That one with Jane Horrocks, Little Voice. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> That's exactly, it's like Little Voice. Uh, yeah, it was like a 1998 movie. Um, it was made in Scarborough <laughs> in North Yorkshire. Um, and it's like, it's all based on a play. <laughs> But yeah, that's exactly what it is. Because also, as as we often say, like the UK equivalent of American things is a much smaller yeah, thing. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Always, so always it, a little bit more depressing like, and a little bit sadder. <laughs> exactly. So like a, a, like a, a redone stage play set in like made in Scarborough feels like, you know, the perfect equivalent of, I don't know, sharing Christina, sharing Christina Aguilera in a burlesque club on the Sunset Strip <laughs> in LA. Oh, I mean, I'm exhausted. I don't know about you. Okay, well, that's been the burlesque special. What other movies do you have coming up on your uh, on your sort of you know watch list? Um, I mean, now that we've talked about it, I think I might try and watch Coyote Ugly again tonight, just to like relive the the glory of Ooh. that movie where I found my first my first gay oh. crush. <laughs> well, I rewatched on my birthday. Um, I rewatched Spice oh, World. I mean, so does anybody know how to deliver a baby? We should do Spice World on a different episode. I think okay. we need to. Yeah, and you know what? It's not available. It's not available on like any service, like in America. Like I looked up, you can't buy it on <laughs> iTunes. You can't get it like on, on none of them. I had to illegally stream it because there was no other way. I was willing to give money to watch it, but I had to I stream it. I feel like it. Vicky B's behind that. I feel like she's like, oh, I don't want people to see it. Well, she's pulled the plug, much like much like uh, Kristen Bell. <laughs> she's pulled you the plug on it. All right. Well, uh, thank you as always for listening, uh, everyone. Uh, you know, you can rate and review us in the normal place. Please give us some feedback. I'm going to sing us out with just one final uh, Ali riff, shall I? I'd love that. Okay, I'm going to do a big it. one. Hey, Do, 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 do your thing! <laughs> oh, that's bad. You're so far off your own! I can get to smell your own shit! Where are you from, Joseph? South Shields. At home. Well, there were three of us in this marriage. I just want to say, Liam, come and have a go if you think you are. I enjoy cooking bacon and stop working with flour.